Welcome to Christ Church. The following is a homily from our Sunday morning gathering in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Enjoy. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for you, our Lord and our Redeemer. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Good morning. Yesterday, as I was returning from Dallas at convention, I was listening to the top 21 number one hits by Karen Peck and, and uh, New, whatever it is, New River. And one of the songs said, I choose Christ. I choose faith. Every time he came through, I choose Christ, I choose faith. I began writing my homily for September 21st in Oban, Scotland, to find that my schedule for preaching had changed. However, I wanted to share some thoughts from Scotland with you. The tour group went for a seven-mile trek on the island of Lickmore the first day of our tour. Too much for this guy. So while I was in my hotel room, I was looking out the window at the fishing harbor, and the tide was high, about 10 feet high, so about to the eaves. That's how much it fluctuated there. And the water was very calm, almost like a mirror. There were people walking on the streets next to the harbor wall, and cars driving on the wrong side of the road, going back and forth. But it was a very peaceful setting that morning during this age of uncertainty. I took some time that morning to view and appreciate God's creation. Steve Forsythe, who is not here this morning, and I did morning prayer that before we went to breakfast that day. And as a result, we were late. But the few minutes we shared in morning prayer was just as I would have imagined Jesus and his disciples preaching and teaching. I usually only preach on the gospel, which I will get to shortly, but Paul's messages to the Philippians really caught me that day, and his words in this week's epistle were also drawing me. Paul's words, to me, living is Christ and dying is gain. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire to depart and be with Christ For that is far better, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary to you. And in this week's reading, For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. That comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. Over the years that I've been with you, I've shared my story of waiting 40 years for my ordination with many of you. And I also shared that same story with our, at that first night with some of our tour group partners. Walking in faith each day, being a humble servant of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, being obedient to God, trying my best to be an example of the teaching of Jesus, 
loving our neighbors as ourselves. This is what we are all called to do as disciples of Jesus. This is the ultimate in being a follower. Often, as I get older, I say to myself that I'm ready to go to heaven when I'm called. But I'd like to stay here a little longer in preparation for that moment when I trip on the speed bump of life and go from this physical life of preparation to the eternal life of heavenly love. There's so many things left to do, so many ways to help those in need, to help guide and give wisdom to my children, to help raise my grandchildren and my great-grandson, to share the love of God that brought Vanessa and I together, to be God's humble servant to Christ's church. No, I'm not ready to go, but I am ready if God calls. So I ask the question to you, are you ready? Do you have your spiritual life in order and have you prepared? Are you ready to join the heavenly choir if God calls you? Paul goes on to ask if we live our life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. So many times when I read the news on MSN or watch the news on TV, I think to myself, how can these people be true Christians? But that's not for me to judge the words and actions of those who blatantly not showing and living the second great commandment, love your neighbors as ourselves. God will be their final judge. I often wonder how people can do the things that they do to other people Monday through Saturday and then go into the house of the Lord on Sunday proclaiming to be Christians. I just don't understand and it baffles me constantly. Jesus was there for us 24-7, 365 days a year while he was among the Israelites and the Gentiles. And he is still here 24-7, 365 days a year within us as the Holy Spirit deep inside our hearts. You know that God knows everything we do, whether anyone else does or not. If we truly live for Christ, why do we do some of the things that we do, knowing that they do not follow the commandments or do not follow the laws? Two weeks ago, when Kelsey preached, she talked about the parables and her opinion of them. After service, I talked to her and I said, I share some of your opinion. I really like the Gospels where Jesus explains the parables to the disciples. But when I have to interpret them, it's much more difficult. I bought a book about the parables and I read it and I still have problems. <laughs> and sometimes I think... These were interpolated by theologians many years ago after Jesus taught, told them. So are they correct in all their interpolation, interpretations and translations? Or does life today perhaps allow us to interpret, interpret them differently? Or were they translated differently from language to language and from generation to generation? Just another one of those questions I'm going to ask when I get to heaven. 
And then when we come to the gospel today, we come again to the vineyard, the parable of the wicked tenants. The owner got everything in order and went to another country. After time, the slaves came to harvest and the tenants killed them. The son comes and he too is killed. In early history, the vineyards are frequently used to symbolize the covenant people. The vineyard is the house of Israel, and the people of Judah are his pleasant planting. However, the prophet laments that even though God has done everything possible, his vineyard is only yielded wild grapes of exploitation and disloyalty. If we possess the truth, it was given to us by God to be shared. If we are stewards of tradition and heritage, these do not exist for themselves, but for God's people. There's a bigger picture or a greater vision that Christ tried to help us understand. The disciples who lived and walked and ate and learned to pray with Jesus had a hard time to understand. It was only just before Christ ascended to heaven and he breathed the Holy Spirit into the disciples that they really have the clarity of Jesus' teaching. The disciples became martyrs for the cause. They gave their lives to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. And now, today, over 2,000 years later, we too are to be disciples of Christ, to spread the good news, to care for the widows and for the poor, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. The faith that we have is to show in all our words, actions, and attitudes towards all our brothers and sisters in this world. This is the preparation for the heavenly kingdom. Back to Scotland. On Saturday of our tour, we traveled by two ferries each way to the island of Iona. Constructed in 563, the teaching monastery of Iona is still a continuing source of education by the monks that abide in this holy place. Our Iona School of Formation is a gift from God, allowing those of us who want to serve and to learn without leaving our homes and our jobs to become bivocational priests and deacons. My visit to the Abbey at Iona was very, very special, and I will always be in my memory, especially kneeling at the altar in the Abbey and praying for continued ministry during the days that I have left in this life. One evening, our tour director, tour lector, Dr. Reverend Lacey Warner from Duke University, shared evening prayer after dinner from the Iona prayer book. Evening Literature, Liturgy 3. I want to share a part of the service in the prayer that was read. You keep us waiting, you, the God of all time. Want us to wait for the right time in which to discover who we are, where we must go, who will be with us, and what we must do. So thank you for the waiting time. You keep us looking, you, the God of all space. 
want us to look in the right and wrong places for signs of hope, for people who are hopeless, for visions of a better world which will appear among the disappointments of the world we know. So thank you for the looking time. You keep us loving. You, the God whose name is love, want us to be like you. To love the loveless, the unlovely, and the unloved. To love without jealousy or design or threat. And most difficult of all, to love ourselves. So thank you for the loving time. And in all this, you keep us through hard questions with no easy answers, through failing when we hoped to succeed, and by making an impact when we felt we were useless, through the patience and dreams and the love of others. And through Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit, you keep us. So thank you for the keeping time and for the now and forever. Amen.